Jesus is. Remember, I went away and the Lord spoke to me and he said, um, Pastor Ron and I were praying as we often do in a time away. And he said, tell them who I am. Tell them what I've done. Tell them who I am. It's, you know, and so we go to Matthew's account and we're not going to go back and read it and look at it again. But remember, Jesus asked them the question, who do men say that I am. Now, you can get a whole lot of opinions. You can say to people, uh, who do you think God is? But if you more importantly just say, who do you think Jesus is? Who is he to you? And, uh, you know, you'll get a lot of different things. And, um, but Jesus then, so remember some said, well, some say you're Elijah. Some say, you know, you're one of the prophets. Some even said, I don't know where they got this one. You're John the Baptist. That, that, I don't know. They're on the earth at the same time. I don't get that one. But they said it. And so uh, anyway, and so this is what he said. But who do you say I am? Turn to your neighbor and ask them, who do you say he is? Because, you know, even though it's good to pass down things, from generation to generation. You know, we're a generational church. We're not only a multicultural church, we're a multi-generational church. And it doesn't just happen uh, all the time everywhere. You know, a lot of churches, you get, everybody looks the same and we're about the same age. But around here, we're multicultural and we're also multi-generational. And uh, that's a good sign of a healthy church. And I'm grateful for every one of you here. And I'm so grateful from generation to generation. I wanted to pass down to my daughter and uh, eventually my grandchildren. Um, Might as well go for great grandchildren. I don't know. As long as Jesus don't come, uh, I'm ready to go. I'm ready right now. If he wants to come in the next minute, I'm ready to go. But um, uh, really. And so... um, and so the deal is this, though, and I appreciate generational, and you got to pass it down. Remember, um, Lois went to Eunice, went to Timothy. So there's three generations. Uh, Timothy's the one in the ministry, but it started with his grandmother. So she must have passed it down to her daughter Eunice, right? And then she, she, she stewarded it as she was a child and then she got married and then she had a son named him Timothy and she helped him uh, find out who the Lord was because he said, the faith that I found in your grandmother, Lois, in your mother, Eunice, is also found in you. So it's good to pass it down. But as you pass it down, how it keeps getting passed down is if it's real, if it's alive. Your children have to have their own relationship. Do you know this? And this was on my heart really strong for someone watching. I don't usually address people watching it much anymore. But I want to tell you, if you're watching this morning, you tuned in for a specific word. You need to teach your children how to follow the Holy Ghost. They ought not rely on your dreams. They ought not rely on what you had from the Lord. And if they tell you the Lord told me something, then you need to work with them and not override them. Make sure it's God. Well, what if it's not God? You need to be there for them to back them up. And so somebody needs to listen to me. You you need not to try to direct your own children all the time as they grow up. I'm not talking about four and five years old, but I'm talking about 15, 16, especially when they get in their 20s. They ought to be able to hear from God when they get in their 30s. You can't be everybody's Holy Ghost. I'm not your Holy Ghost. Now, I know I'm a, sometimes when people come in for me to pray for them, what they want is, I want you to give me a word. They don't even have to tell me. I know they want a word from the Lord. But you know what? That's dangerous. That's dangerous. Why, why would you? So you, you can hear from God. That's not my subject today. Everybody say, I can hear from God. I am his sheep. I know his voice. And the voice of a stranger I will not follow. Come on, do you know his voice? Well, I'm grateful we can pass that along. But, but when a child, you know, especially, you know, uh, when they get, you know, four or five years old, you got to have them have their own relationship with the Lord. Four or five, four and five. 
Then 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, when they get 13, 14, oh, they really need their own relationship. When they get, you know, in the teenage years and beyond, are y'all with me? Listen to me, I, I, I thank God for the generational and I wanna see that, but everybody needs to know Jesus for themselves. Amen, you can't force it as a parent, as a grandparent, they've gotta be hungry. You can make the atmosphere, you can live it in front of them and then yet they've gotta be hungry. So we're talking about Jesus, who do you say is? Turn to your other neighbor, sir, who do you say he is? That was the same neighbor for some of you. How, come on, who do you say he is? Who do you say he is? So it's, it's great that, that Grandma Lois knew him. It's great that Mama knew him. But Timothy had to know him for himself. Because when you get right down to it, the Jesus that you know is the Jesus going to help you through. Because if you don't know him a certain way, just because your grandmother got healed, if you get sick, if you have something come up, her faith or, or his or Grandpa's faith not necessarily going to help you. You can look at their example. You can look at their testimony. But you're going to have to know God for yourself. And as a pastor, my greatest desire is not that, uh, I, I'm grateful when you come to church, but I want, I want to know that you know him. And how do I know that you know him? One of the results is you make him known. Amen. Who is Jesus to you? We've talked about a lot of things so far, but I like this one. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. In a world gone nuts, in a world that's crazy right now, in a world that's confused, in a world that's stressed out, in a world that doesn't know <laughs> lots of stuff about themselves. When I know that Jesus is my peace, when I know that Jesus is the Prince of Peace, there's a lot in the titles of his name. And he was prophesied, Isaiah chapter nine, verses six through seven. For unto us a child is born, Unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. He shall be called Wonderful. Jesus is Wonderful. He's the Counselor. Hallelujah. He's the Mighty God. He's the everlasting father and he is the prince of peace. Everybody say it out of your own mouth. Say Jesus is, Jesus is. the prince of peace. It says, of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. So in him, when you need peace, there's lots of things we could look at here, but we're just looking at peace. In him, in him, there is no end to his peace. Huh. Even when you feel stressed out, the Prince of Peace is right there to help you. And we're going to talk about him as the Prince of Peace today. And I know this in my heart. There's some people in this room right now that, you know, um, you're worried about stuff. You're concerned about stuff. You're kind of stressed out. But you're going to leave today knowing that Jesus, the Prince of Peace, is your peace. And from this point forward, I believe if you'll take this word and work it in your life and, and receive Jesus. Listen to me. I remember a time, and you can do this with the Lord, when you know these things are him, not just a thing. In other words, peace is not just a thing. Peace is Jesus. I remember, because uh, I'll just because most of you understand this. I remember, uh, you know, I was growing up in a denominational church, and I received Jesus as my Savior. I backslid, but when I came back to Him, Jesus became the Lord of my life. 
So Jesus is not just Savior to me, he's Lord. In other words, I'm submitted to him fully and completely. I never knew that about him before, but he became the Lord of my life. And then I remembered as I began to learn some things. You know, uh, when I was a young man, I had some physical challenges. I had some health challenges. I was in the hospital. My stomach was always upset. Um, I couldn't hardly eat anything, you know, even through all my teenage years, uh, just that it was all the time. And then uh, I went, ended up, uh, I, I dealt with that all the way through college. Um, always, um, you know, things, you know, it was just a mess all the time. And not ever, very many people knew that about me, but that I just dealt with it every day, all day long, forever. And then I went to Bible school and I began to hear some things, but it wasn't even, and I heard, I said, under one of the greatest faith and healing teachers of all time. And even while I was there, I went even to, they had a healing school and I went there, but I still didn't, I mean, I was getting better and, and it wasn't so prominent all the time. Uh, but I remember a time I was sitting in my mom and dad's farmhouse and I just want to tell you this so you can, can, can do this as we're talking about these different things on Sunday morning. I remember sitting at their dining room table around, uh, you know, I had uh, my mom uh, laughs because I did. I kind of wore a path in the dining room. It had carpet. I wore a path where I prayed. You can tell where I prayed. But I remember one day um, I, I, I was dealing with something and the Holy Ghost is the great teacher. And he said, receive Jesus as your healer. Don't just... Try to get healing, receive Jesus as your healer. In other words, from now on, just like Jesus is my savior and what that implies, Jesus is my Lord, what that implies, take him as your healer. So I sat down and this is how I did it. Well, Father God, I believe that Jesus took stripes on his back for my healing. And I believe that Jesus got up from the dead with healing in his wings. And I receive him as the healer of my body. And from this day forward, Jesus, you, you, you are my healer. And in the same way, I've done that with different things. So I'm telling somebody in this room today, if you're tired of being confused, if you're tired of being messed up in your mind, if you're tired of all these anxieties and feelings and you feel like you're, you're out of control in your soul and in your body, when, to, when you, Sheila, my, when you, well, I'm going to retake him as my piece today. That's what I'm going to do. If you don't understand tongues, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, tongues are for today. I know most churches, you don't see them. Um, what was that? That was just the Holy Ghost <laughs> trying to get some things out. Unnecessarily, it's not uh, to interpret it would be, um, it would be this. You need this. You got to have this. Receive him. It's the, 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 the call of the Holy Ghost. Come on, y'all. You're living in the last days. Peace is no longer an option. It's no longer an option. But you got to receive him as the Prince of Peace. I mean, I got to go through it, everything. It's just really more on our, when you receive him as Savior, you get everything. But it's more on our end. 
If I, if I look at this and I need this, and if I, if I can, just like you can trace the word of God back to the mouth of someone who said it, God. Jesus is the word. You're tracing this back to the person of. I, Paul said, I know in whom I have believed. And I'm persuaded. See, if you know about him, you'll never get persuaded. But if you know him, because you know him, you know his character, you know who he is, you know what he said, you know what he's done, then you can trust him, and that is faith. Amen? Everybody say, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Um, Do you remember, um, have you ever been with someone, maybe you've never had this opportunity, I have as a pastor, when people are about ready to die and leave their physical body, and you know, they've lived kind of a life where you're not sure. And you've lived, they've lived a life where they're not sure. And you know, um, uh, getting born again on your deathbed is not God's highest and best. But it, I'll say it like my spiritual father used to say it, but it sure do beat going to hell. There is a heaven, there is a hell, period, end of story. And the only way you make heaven is to make Jesus Savior and the Lord of your life. And whether you do that on deathbed, but you see, you, some, you should, nobody should take that route because tomorrow is not promised to them like it's promised to us. And if they died suddenly, wouldn't that be a shame if they lived all their life? And they said, well, when I'm 80, 85 years old and I'm in my deathbed in the hospital, I'll take Jesus. Well, there's no guarantee. But I have heard him say this more than once. And 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 other people have said it. You know, right before they go, like, we'll make sure that they're good. And so to make sure they're good. And they'll say this, they'll say like this. I've made my peace with the Lord. And I used to find that strange. I've made my peace with the Lord. But Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And I want you to see this in Ephesians chapter 2. So there's the peace with God and the peace of God. And in order to have the peace of God, you first got to make peace with God. There's the peace of God that that God wants us to walk in. And Jesus is the Prince of Peace. But if you've never made peace with God, and those of us that are born again filled with the Holy Ghost, there's things that go on in our life sometimes that you've got to make peace with God in that. You've got to make peace with God. In other words, they say to me, I've made my peace with God. What does that mean? But why does everybody say that? Why are they compelled to say that? Because in order to have the peace of God to go to heaven, you first had to make the peace with God. And the Bible says, before you and I were born again, we were an enmity, the King James says, you were an enemy of God. Well, I don't believe that. Well, that's what the Bible says. We were enemies. We were aliens. That's what it says. But you can have peace with God. All right, let's read this real quick. Ephesians chapter 2, 14 through 18. For he is our peace. Who? Notice it says he. Everybody say, Jesus is my peace. He is our peace who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall partition between us. And has abolished in his flesh the enmity. There it is. Even the law of commandments continuing, contained in ordinances for to make himself of twain one new man. So he made peace. He made peace. 
He's the prince of peace. In order to get the peace of God, you got to have peace with God. And Jesus made peace between us and God. Sin called out for judgment. Sin and the wages of it are death. But Jesus made sure that we would have peace with God. And he took all of that upon himself. That he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. There's no more enmity. It's not necessary to have, we don't have to be an enemy anymore. And then, I love this, in verse 17 it says, and, he, and, and came, or you could say, and he came and preached peace to you which were afar off and to them that were near. For through him, we both have access by one spirit to the father. So he's talking about the Jews. He's talking about those that are in Abraham's bosom. He brought everybody together into one body. And he did that because he is the prince of peace. Now, because of that, you and I have peace with God. Have you made your peace with God? What does that mean? Well, then you say, oh, I'm saved. I'm sanctified. I've been made holy. I'm born again. How many of you know that there are a lot of people in the earth today, even in our area, they need you to help them make sure that they've made their peace with God and they ought not wait until they get on a deathbed. Because until you make peace with God, you'll never have the peace of God. If you've never made peace with God, if you've never let Jesus be the Lord of your life, be your savior, then there's still enmity between the people and God. Because of sin. And sin calls out for judgment all the time, whether a sinner does it or whether a, a person uh, who is born again, if they start practicing sin, sin always calls out for judgment. But Jesus made our peace. Come on, say, Jesus is my peace. Woo, hallelujah. I don't know. I, I, I'm excited about this. Anytime I start talking about him, ooh, I get excited. Hallelujah. Isaiah 53 again, four and five. Surely he has borne our griefs. And carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace. He took chastisement. He took punishment so that we could have peace with God and the peace of God. And it says, and with his stripes, and this is talking about physical healing, and with his stripes, we are healed. But Jesus was chastised so that you and I could have peace with God, so we could have the peace of God. Because Jesus died on the cross, the, 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 the veil was ripped, ripped, it was ripped from top to bottom so that we could have access to God the Father because now we have peace with God and we have the peace of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Everybody say it again. Jesus made peace for me with the Father. Listen to me, because of what Jesus did, uh, God's not an angry God. I said, God's not an angry God. Hallelujah. Jesus took care of all that, but you've got to receive it. Did you receive it? Come on. Have you made peace with God? Now, if you've made peace with God and Jesus is the prince of peace to you, you're ready for the peace of God and you need it right now. And Jesus said some of these things. He said in John 14, 27, John 14, 27, peace I leave with you. My peace. In other words, he said, I'm leaving myself with you because he is peace. He didn't say I'm leaving a part of myself with you. I'm leaving some of myself with you. 
He didn't say, I'm leaving this attribute with you. He said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not like the world gives, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So if you're, if you're afraid or you're troubled, that means you're not walking in the peace of God and Jesus is not being your peace right now. Are you with me? If your heart is troubled, if your heart is confused, if you're confused, if you're afraid, ever afraid, then what do you need? You need the Prince of Peace to come in. You need, you need to begin meditating and speaking about peace and, and declaring that over you. But peace is more than a thing. Peace is a person. Peace in the world is a thing. Peace in God is a person. Come on, Jesus is your peace. Jesus is my peace. John 16, These things I have spoken to you that you might have peace. In the world, you're going to have trouble, but cheer up. I've overcome the world. Hallelujah. I like Psalms 29, It says, the Lord will give unto his people. Uh, the Lord will give strength unto his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. Well, how did he bless you with peace? He gave you Jesus. Hallelujah. I said he gave you Jesus. Everybody say again, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Now, right now, I just believe right now, as I'm talking to you, the Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost is in this room and he's administering peace to you. He's administering peace to you and we could all use it. No, I said we could all use it. How do we, how, so if Jesus is the Prince of Peace, if Jesus is my peace and he left it for me, then I have to grab a hold of it. Just like I have to receive Jesus as Savior. How many you know if someone's lost, if someone's not born again, Jesus doesn't die all over for them? What do they have to do? They have to receive their salvation. We receive healing. Lord, I need you to heal me. Well, if you listen, the answer is I already have. Uh, Lord, Lord, I, I need you. I need you to. Um, I need you to bless me. Well, you're you're blessed with all heavenly uh, blessings, and you know, in Him. In other words, it's all finished, right? What do you have to do? I have to receive. I have to receive. So just like I received Jesus as Savior, just like I received Jesus as Healer, I've got to receive Him as my peace. Now I don't know about you, but in this world right now, there's a whole lot of stuff going on. And the enemy is good. One of the things he wants to move you out of is peace. Can you tell if you're in peace or not? Can you tell us your neighbor is in peace? Can you, can you tell if your, let's just go where I wanted to go. Can you tell if your spouse is in peace? Well, instead of yelling at them, uh, why don't you just start uh, talking about the Prince of Peace or even magnifying the Prince of Peace? You want to change the, the um, atmosphere, change what you're listening to, change what you're saying? You begin to magnify Jesus as the Prince of Peace and what will show up? The Prince of Peace will show up. So if Jesus is our Prince of Peace, just like uh, physical body symptoms can come, it doesn't mean that you're not healed. It just means that the devil is sending symptoms. Well, in the same way, the devil has access because he's the God of this world to your soul, to your mind, to your will, to your emotions. He has access to your body. But you know what? The truth of the matter is, if our spirit is strong and we know who we are in Christ and we know what Jesus has done, then we can overcome every time. But this is what happens when the enemy comes or when life comes or when circumstances come, this is what we got to do in order to maintain our peace. Number one, receive Jesus as your peace. So let's just do that. Lift one hand to heaven and say, Jesus, I receive you as the Prince of Peace in my life. 
In Jesus' name. Psalms 34, 14 says, depart from evil, do good, seek peace, and pursue it. Let's pull this over and make this kind of more New Testament. Depart from sin, do what is right, seek Jesus, and pursue him. Because he's peace. Seek Jesus and pursue him. Seek Jesus and pursue him. Get out of sin. Do what's right. Seek Jesus and let's just pursue him. Hallelujah. Now Psalms 37, 37, which you all know is one of the most inspired verses in the Bible. Mark the perfect man. I was somewhere where a preacher was named Mark, and he said, I, I think he said, I'll give somebody something if they know the best scripture in the Bible. And I yelled out Psalms 37, 37. He's like, hey, Mark, how you doing? And so, or something like that. Mark the perfect man, Mark the upright man, Mark the righteous man, Mark him. Why? Behold his uprightness or his righteousness, for the end of that man is... There's something about knowing that you're righteous. Something knowing about you're a new creature. That you're not trying to do this on your own. When you have revelation of who you are in Christ and your righteous position, then the end of it is... So in other words, when the devil brings his confusion, when the devil brings his mess, and you and I start getting confused, we start getting uh, out, of, out, of, out of sorts, we have to remember that he has made us holy. He has made us righteous. Um, and if you, if you see someone who's walking in peace, they have a revelation of their righteousness. Mark the perfect man. Behold his uprightness for the end of him is peace. Psalms 119, 165. Great peace have they which love. We can say the word. Great peace have they which love the word. Or you can say it this way. Great peace have they that love Jesus. Because he's the word. And nothing shall offend them. Um, what do I know about people who are always offended? What do I know of, about people who are always worked up? They have no peace. Someone who's easily offended needs to meet the Prince of Peace. Praise the Lord. And you don't want to hear from people all the time or hang out with people who are constantly offended, constantly riled up. They're not fighting the good fight of faith. They're just fighting. <laughs> they're just mad. Well, mad is not what peace has to do. I mean, and nothing shall offend them. Great peace have they that love Jesus or love the word. Amen. And nothing shall offend them. Amen. Hallelujah. Isaiah, what do we do to stay here? If Jesus is the Prince of Peace, if we received him in faith, then what do we got to do? Well, we got to depart from evil, do good, seek peace, pursue it, seek him, pursue it. Um, walk in righteousness, walk in our place, and the end of that person is peace. Great peace have they that love the word. Everybody say, I love the word. I know you do. And let's, let's make this bold confession. And nothing 
Come on, say it with a smile on your face. And nothing, nothing shall offend me. Oh, be bold, turn to your neighbor, say, you can't do anything to offend me. Well, I think I just lied, Pastor Mark. I think I just lied. I think I just lied in church because I can get offended. Well, you can take the offense or you can refuse the offense, but you do not have to be offended. Oh, I didn't say that people weren't going to try to offend you. And I didn't say that people on purpose weren't going to try to offend you. But you don't have to take it. It's a sign of spiritual maturity when you don't take the offense. Great peace have they which I love the word. I love Jesus. Woo! Hallelujah. <laughs> Isaiah 26.3. I use this one all the time. That will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts thee. Where does, who is perfect peace? Jesus. Whose mind, who, who do I keep my mind on? Jesus. Well, who do I trust? Jesus. So anytime I, I start to get out of peace, what do I got to do? I don't know if I'm helping you this morning. I'm helping me real good. I'm glad you're along for the ride. <laughs> Hallelujah. What do I got to do? If I start to get confused, if I start to get troubled, if my mind starts to go crazy, what do I got to do? I got to get my mind back on him. How do you get your mind on him? You open your mouth. Talk about who he is. Tell him that you trust. I trust you, Lord. I, I'm, I'm going I'm to keep my mind on you. Get people around you will help you keep your mind on him. And what will happen? He'll keep you in perfect peace. Isaiah 48, 18. Oh, that you had hearkened to my commandments. So what happens to people who, who, who are not just hearers of the word only, but doers? Oh, come on, this, this is cornerstone. I got a bunch of doers in the room, right? Come on, you're not just hearers only, but you're doers, right? I'm a doer of the word. You have... Although you have hearkened to my commandments. So if you do hearken to his commandments, well, then what happens? Then you would have peace. Your peace would have been like a river. In other words, it's just constant, a river, big river flowing. And you're righteous as the waves of the sea. All right. Let's look at some more. What, what, if, what, who is the prince of peace? Jesus. What drives peace away? Well, when you live in sin... And you're not doing good. But instead, we're, going, we're not going to live in sin. We're going to do good. And we're going to pursue peace. We're going to pursue him. When we understand that we've been made righteous, we've been made holy, then the end of you will be peace. What happens? I have great peace because I love your word. And nothing's going to offend me. I have great peace no matter what's going on. Jesus is the prince of peace. But I'm, this is how I live every day. I keep my mind stayed on him. I keep my, my mouth talking about him. He is the Prince of Peace. What am I going to do? I'm going to not be a hearer only, but I'm going to be a doer of the word. I'm going to hearken to his command, both the word and when he says something to my heart. And then what happens? Then your peace will be like a river. It's something about obeying the word of God and obeying the Holy Ghost when he talks to you. Then you'll have peace. Listen to me. A lot of times people mark and you should be able to do this when you're doing something that the Lord has instructed you personally to do. Do you have peace with it? 
In other words, well, I'm going to move. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. What, what, what should be? There should be a peace with it because you're hearkening to the voice of the word of God. You're obeying what he told you to do. So there ought to be peace with it. And how you can tell you're not obeying God is because you don't have any peace. All right, got to keep moving. Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Be careful for nothing. What does that mean? Don't worry. Don't have any anxiety. Except about the really bad things because everybody knows you got to worry about those. Because you get a bad report. Well, you'd be stupid not to worry about that. Well, we, we don't, we, you know, you all know to say no now, but are we all good at that when it really happens? Because the big stuff, you know, you can worry that. Be careful for, but he didn't say, he said, he didn't just say, don't worry. He said, but in everything by and supplication with thanksgiving. Ooh, if you didn't come Wednesday night, you ought to hear it. Let your requests be made known unto God. Verse 7. So after I pray, what should I have? And the peace of God. So should I worry? Should I worry? Should I be concerned about anything? Now you got to be careful about this one because people are trained, you know. I do know a lot about this one because a lot of times people in the world and people who have not been taught well associate worry with care. In other words, you know, we got this issue and if you're not sad about it, if you're not upset about it, if you're not worried about it, if you're not talking about it, then you don't care about me. Remember, you remember Jesus is asleep on a pillow. Do you remember that? You remember Jesus sleep on a pillow? What did, what did they say? Don't you, we're all going to die here. Don't you care? Does the devil want to, he'll let, he loves to use that against God to you. Well, if this, if you're still having this problem, if you're still going through this, that just means God doesn't care. He's not worried about you. He's not, he does, he, well, God's never going to worry about you because he knows the answer and you being worried about it. Come on, y'all. Somebody in the room needs to let somebody off the hook. If you're worried about everything, don't you get mad at everybody else because they're obeying the word. Hallelujah. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and mind through Christ Jesus. Let's end up with these two. So in that... Let's go back. Let's go ahead and go look at it. Let's look at Mark chapter four. I wasn't going to do it, but let's look at it. Everybody good? Yes. The Prince of Peace is here in the room. I said the Prince of Peace is here in the room. Mark five, we'll, Mark four, we'll start at verse 35. And the same day, and the evening was come, he said to them, let us pass over to the other side. So the disciples, the apostles are in the a perfect will of God because Jesus said, let's go to the other side. So that's what they did. So it's not about whether you're in the will of God or not in the will of God. In this case, they were in the will of God. 
And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him, uh, took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also other with him in little ships. And there arose a great storm. And I think that word arose has to do with, um, I think the devil just worked up something there. And there arose a great storm of wind. And the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. So the boat is sinking. And you got people who understand ships. And uh, this, is a, this is a bad deal. And he, Jesus, was in the hinder part of the ship asleep on a pillow. (laughs) And they awake him and said, Master, carest not that we perish. And he arose, he rebuked the wind, and he said unto the sea, isn't this interesting? What did he say? He didn't say, stop it in Jesus' name. I guess he's Jesus. He wouldn't have said that. He didn't say, he, he, stop it in my name. No, he, he, what, he didn't, what did he, he rebuked it. What does rebuke mean? Disallowed it. And then he told us, did he tell us we have that same ability? He said, whatever you bind on earth, it's already bound in heaven. So he rebuked it, just like he rebuked the fever in Peter's mother-in-law. Remember, remember that? He rebuked it. And what did he rebuke? He rebuked the wind. And then he said something. And this is an interesting choice of words. Peace, be still. Did you know peace was a weapon? But you can't use it as a weapon if you don't know the Prince of Peace and you're not walking in peace. If you don't have peace with God and the peace of God, you can't use it as a weapon. But I'm telling you, it's a weapon also because when everything's around you going crazy. Uh, Pastor Ron and I, when we first started pastoring, we didn't know a whole lot. All that we knew is when we walked into a situation that we had to carry the peace of God in there. We didn't have to say all the right things because people in, you know, a lot of times people don't go around people who are in trouble or, or, or anything like that because they don't know what to say. We determined we didn't have to say anything. We had to carry something. I said, we didn't have to, we didn't have to say anything. We had to carry something. And every time we went in, we would pray that the Prince of Peace, we didn't necessarily say it like that. We just said, Lord, we're going to carry your peace into the room and you're going to manifest your peace through us. We're the carriers of your peace into this situation. And it was amazing as we carried in the peace, the atmosphere would change. And where there was, uh, no matter what was going on, and we walked into some most interesting things. And so the, and a lot of times we would, as we were going, we knew we were walking into something that was stressful, that something was bad. And we'd be speaking the peace of God into it. Well, guess what? You can speak the peace of God into your family. You can speak the peace of God into your, your job situation, into your business, into your children's life. You can speak the peace of God into a nation. Amen. Peace. Be still. Peace, be still. But you can't do that with authority if you don't know the Prince of Peace. If you don't have peace with God and you walk on a regular basis in the peace of God. So at first, maybe you got to receive the peace for yourself, but then you walk into that situation. Everybody shout it. Say, peace. peace. Be still. Peace. What happened? The wind immediately ceased. And there was a great calm. And yet Jesus wasn't done teaching. And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? So peace is also a manifestation of our faith. Why couldn't you just take care of this? How many know the Lord did it, but he's telling us, (laughs) come on, he's telling us, walk in the peace that I've given you. 